Hi, I'm Juliet. And I'm Sienna. And this is Nobel Prize Losers, the people that science forgot. Today we're going to talk about Alice Ball, a chemist who revolutionized leprosy treatment. Oh, um, very so spicy. This, yeah, and I will preface this by saying I know the amount of chemistry you have to know for like biology things, which is to say orgo one uh, and nothing more. So is this going to get a little gross in terms of like leprosy treatment? Because I don't know. A little. Yes, a little I gross. guess I should I should warn that in advance. There's like one part that gets a little nasty, but most of it is um just like about, fun like, nasty or like nasty nasty. Um, my first instinct is fun nasty, but I'm afraid to commit to that. <laughs> Okay, um, are you ready to start? She was born Alice Augusta Ball on July 24th, 1892 in Seattle, Washington. She was one of four children. She had two older brothers and a younger sister, so she was, you know, smack dab in the middle. Um, her family was relatively well off at the time. Her father was a... Okay, wait, 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 like rich or like comfortable? From what I read, like, upper middle class. Okay, but, like, I'm upper middle class. People who are, like, really just rich bitches who don't think they're rich. Or, like, upper middle class who are people who are very comfortable. I, her father was a newspaper editor, a lawyer, and a photographer. If that gives you an answer. That gives me anxiety. So her father, James Presley Ball, was a was all of those careers, mm. which, that's interesting. At the same time, or like through his life? I don't know. Because a pivot I, is different from doing three whole jobs at the same time. I don't know what I read just listed him as being those things. Um, her grandfather, James Sr. Ball, was a famous photographer, which is where her father picked it up from. And he was um, well known for being one of the first black Americans to learn daguerreotyping, a process of printing photographs onto metal plates. I don't know why printing photos onto metal plates is such a big deal, but this was a fact that was noted about him. You can either leave the following in or take it out because I promise I'm paying attention. I'm just stupid. Um... When did you say this was again? She was born in 1892. Okay, cool. And she, so she was black? Yes. In Washington. Okay. In Washington. She, yes. I'm just taking, it wasn't that long after the Civil War brain notes. Yeah, sort of understanding the context of the time she was in. Yeah. Um. Yes. So... Uh, her family moved to Honolulu when she was young. Um, they hoped the climate would be good for James Ball Sr., her grandfather's arthritis. They lived there for a little while, but um, he died soon after their move, and after his death, they returned to Seattle. She attended high school in Seattle, where she was noted to excel in the sciences, and she graduated Seattle High School in 1910. Wait, hold up. Was there one high school for 
all of Seattle at that point. I don't know that there was only one high school, but maybe it was like one of the, it was, it was the high school that got to be called Seattle High School. No, I'm just saying, because like, changes in city sizes are, and also I guess like school attendance rates and stuff, but like all of that is wild for me. Yes, so she went on to study chemistry at the University of Washington. So there she received a bachelor's degree in pharmaceutical chemistry and then two years later received another bachelor's degree in pharmacy. Those are different things. Yes. She received two de- separate... She received two Two depositions. Degrees. She received <laughs> two separate degrees in pharmaceutical chemistry and pharmacy. What the specifics of those particular degrees were, I am not Oh, you sure. know what? One could be like pharmacology. I get it. Mm-hmm. I got it. I got it. I'm so um, smart. It's fine. While she was at UW, she published an article called Benzoylations in Ether in the Journal of the American Chemical Society, which is... Is that kind of like the JAMA for chemistry? It is, according to what I read to this day, still one of the world's most prestigious chemistry journals. Okay, so it's like JAMA. Yeah. Gotcha, gotcha. Um, What I read said... This kind of accomplishment was very rare, not only for African-American women, but for women of any race. Which, I would argue, getting published in a major journal is just rare for an undergraduate. Well, yeah, but it's still, like, extra bonus special for women and etc., etc. Wait, I I thought you said that was after her degree. That was during her no, degree? No, that was while she was at UW. Mm-hmm. After she graduated um, from her second undergrad, she was offered many scholarships because she was already fairly successful, um, including one from... God, if only. Uh, <laughs> univer- <laughs> including one from University of California, Berkeley. Spicy! But she chose to return to Hawaii and took a scholarship at the... Now University of Hawaii, but then College of Hawaii. When you say she didn't live in Hawaii for that long, did you give me a number? No, I, I did not see an exact number. Um, everything said briefly that her grandfather died soon after their move, stuff like that. Okay, just because um, I'm wondering, like, when you say, like, return to Hawaii, if it feels like a home to her or if it's just kind of like, I have been here before. I imagine she lived there for at least a few months. Okay. So at the University of Hawaii, she would pursue a master's in chemistry. And after her master's, she would join the faculty, where she was both the first female professor and also the first black professor that the university had ever had. And when was this? This was, um, I think, about like 1916. Okay. That seems good on Hawaii, I would think, for female professors. Like, I would guess a lot of colleges probably hadn't hit that yet, but I could be wrong. I mean, yeah. You know, women couldn't even vote yet. And, like, I know our grandmother got hired in, like, the late 50s, early 60s because of feminism. And colleges were like, ah, damn, we gotta hire more women. I mean, we talked about... We gotta get us one of them. 
we talked about Esther Letterberg and how she had to fight for her job, and that was in the 60s. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. So I'm saying it sounds like Hawaii was probably, like, on it. You feel me? Yeah. Um, but yeah I was so just was- trying to give a shout-out to Hawaii for being ahead of the times. <laughs> yes. Um, and so as I mentioned, her research there was on leprosy. Mm-hmm. Well, isn't um, that where the colonies were? Yeah, that's what I was about to get into, saying that to understand, <laughs> to understand how important her research was, you have to understand what a diagnosis of leprosy meant at the time. So in the early 20th century, it resulted in ostracism and eventually death in isolation. In Hawaii in particular... Patients were sent away to the island of Molokai, where they were just trapped together, and they'd be ignored and left alone. And Is that the one where, like, basically there was one teeny, teeny, tiny... No, there was, like, no port, and they dropped you off, like, a hundred feet from the beach, and were just like, swim for it, have fun! I... Or is that a different one? Because I know that a lot of the leper... The colonies for people with leprosy were like that where they wouldn't actually even go to the island to drop you off they'd just like chuck you in the ocean kind of nearby and be like good fucking luck um i don't know oh here's a date for you um when ball started working in 1915 there was one remedy beginning to show promise okay yeah so she started her research in 1915 um and she came to look at chalmugra oil um so chalmugra oil was shown to be somewhat effective as a treatment um however it had some pretty serious side effects orally it caused intense nausea and would often result in fairly immediate vomiting which like how immediate like when you say fairly immediate vomiting do you mean like 10 minutes or do you mean like 10 seconds i i do not know exactly okay um because something that causes vomiting like 10 seconds is kind of impressive to be honest it just especially if its main purpose is not to induce vomiting yeah it caused really bad vomiting um which is bad because it wasn't absorbed super quick and if you're taking it orally mm. and then you immediately throw it all up. Well, yeah, just because, like, Ipecac itself takes, like, uh, 20 minutes. I assume it takes, like, a little time, but it it was bad. And so they're like, okay, people can't take it orally, we'll inject it. Um, Wait, so were they taking it, um... Like, I know a lot of homeopathy oil stuff, they take sublingually. Were were they doing that for this, or was it, like, slurp, swallow? Um, it was super, super thick and sticky. Um, Mm -hmm. so I don't know if that would make it sort of, like, difficult to take sublingually, but I I didn't see it described that way. Okay. Just because then there's the issue of, like, corrosion? If it's, like, corrosive on the throat, mm-hmm. it can cause, like, more vomiting later. 
Yeah. Um, I think. I don't know. I know that sort of they they had originally considered um, applying it topically, but it the thickness and the stickiness did not lend itself to that. So they were like, hmm, we can't. Clearly this was before. Wait. I didn't. Is this before Vaseline? Uh, not Vaseline. The other one. The one that's like the consistency of Vaseline but pretends to be medicine. VapoRub. Probably. I I imagine that it's sort of like, um, when it's described as being really thick and sticky and hard to spread, I kind of imagine it like wax that you use for, like, waxing people, which you don't want to put all over Ooh. someone's lesions. Okay, Vicks VapoRub did exist. It was first sold in 1905. That's, whoa, really? Over 21 million jars used yearly. I'm sorry, I'm on a weird Vicks VapoRub tangent. Proceed. So they were like, hmm, we can't give it all of these other ways. Let's inject it. That's a good idea. Um, But it was not water-soluble. So it didn't really go into the blood very well. And this... Wait, hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on. This is where it's going to get gross. No, 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 but hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on. So, you said it's like a super viscous, like worse than syrup, probably, kind of consistency. Yes? We would all agree on this? Yes? I think so. It was described as... Well, because syrup, I would describe as easy to spread. So, it is thicker than syrup if it is difficult to spread. consistency. Okay, Here's here's my thing. If it's not water Too soluble, sticky to be used effectively as a topical. If it is not uh-huh. water soluble, are they dissolving it in something else, or are they just shooting glue into your arm? I think from what I read, it is they are just injecting this natural oil from like they're like here's a chalmuga tree. We're gonna take some oil from it and then we're gonna put it right into your body. Oh my god. I'm having like flashes of those posts from anti-vaxxers that are like, you wouldn't put all these ingredients from a vaccine in a spoon and eat it. And then somebody's like, well, you wouldn't put broccoli in a syringe and inject it, would you? And this is basically what they are doing is putting the broccoli in the syringe and being like, here we go. They tried to inject it. Um, but it would ooze painfully out of the injection site. Okay, okay. Like, while the needle is still in there, it oozes? So, like, it comes up around the needle? Yes. Or, like, from in the next few days, it's like, hello! Kind of both. Um, so, Grody. while you were getting the injection, it would ooze out around the needle from the injection site. And then what did, you know, stay in your body would clump under the skin and form blisters to a point um, described in this quote saying that it would look as if the patient's skin had been replaced by bubble wrap. Okay, one, I am so sorry for those patients, but two... That's really cool gross. (laughs) Like, genuinely cool gross. But also, okay, also. So then, did those blisters pop or ooze, or did it, like, eventually go down? I didn't actually see anything about that, so I'm not sure. Okay, so something happened to the goo inside your arm. Unclear what. I mean, it must have 
done, you know, it must have helped at least a little bit against leprosy because they continued to do it this way. They just didn't do it a lot because it didn't work well, and it was super ridiculously painful and nasty. You'd think also it would be pretty hard to tell if it was working if you had bubbles all over your body instead of lesions. Also, important query. They're not put. this is into your muscles, right? They're not putting this straight up into your bloodstream glue. Um... I've decided it's basically the consistency of glue, because that is what that description means to me. Yeah. That it's, like, liquid glue consistency. Yeah, no, I think sort of the way I was picturing it from what I read, which, you know, nothing described it exactly, so take this with a grain. I kind of imagine it being, like, when you give blood, um, Mm -hmm. but a little further down, because they said forearm. Okay. That's weird, though, because there's not, like, a muscle to inject that into that's particularly, like, easy to do. I don't know. So they might be putting it IV. God, I hope not. Yeah, I guess it seems like they're putting it IV because it specifically noted that it would be injected into the forearm. Basically, Alice Ball, um, she was recruited Mm. by a doctor, and she said, um, okay. In between a full load of teaching, I'm going to try and purify this. And her goal was to separate out the safely injectable... Okay, hang on. Not that I'm saying it's not baller when everybody does that. But isn't that kind of what science professors do? Um, some... Is, like, research and also teaching? It, um, it depends. Some professors are just research professors. Um, and then a lot of times professors who do research might teach a slightly reduced load relative to someone who does not do research. Oh, okay. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Um, Don't put that in because I'm supposed to know that because I am an academic. Okay, no, but um. I mean, certainly, like, there are, there are people who do full teaching loads and research, but it's still, like, it's... It's most people at the university I went to is why I think it's, mm. like... But you can imagine because research can be a full time. No, research job. can be all all consuming. And well, yeah, that's why academic jobs are brutal. So to do them at the same time is, I think anyone who does it should get a little clap clap. Me too. But anyway, her goal was to separate. So she she said she wanted to teach and isolate the thing. Yes. So she was going to separate out the safely injectable ethyl esters. She had in what was described as a eureka moment. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. The second the second you said eureka moment, I started laughing. Because my brain forgot that the word eureka was a word. So process that as urethra moment. Here's the thing. It is not that the word urethra itself is funny. It is that the word eureka sounding like the word urethra is funny. Because the idea of a urethra moment I just, sounds, it sounds, sounds like a UTI. So, it doesn't sound like, like a UTI, so it doesn't sound like it's going to be a good thing. But I am good now. Okay. You may proceed. 
she had what was described as a eureka moment where uh, she realized that the fatty acids needed to be frozen overnight so the esters would separate out naturally and they would not degrade at room temperature. Okay, when you say they would not degrade at room temperature, do you mean they would no longer degrade if warmed to room temperature or do you mean they would not degrade because they would not be at room temperature? Honestly, I had the exact same question, and I could not find the answer to it. Okay, just I, I feel like it's a little important, because I feel like if it's a thing like it always has to be a little cold, like some vaccine stuff, or if it's a thing like if you make it cold first, it's better. You know what I mean? Yeah, I, I agree. Um, I, I did look into that, but the wording was just confusing, and unfortunately, I do not have an answer. But, good news, it worked! What worked? Oh, the drugs. Yeah, so it was successful, and it was able to treat leprosy with almost no side effects. Um, this was a major development. And it would continue to be the main method used for, for treatment for leprosy for decades. Um, the way I understand it, it was um, a sort of repressive treatment, um, if that makes sense. Um, and it would be... Wait. Like, like, wait. I feel like the word I would use there is suppressive, but I don't know if, I, if either is correct. Yeah, I don't, this is not like a technical term. Um, yeah, but from what I understand, it sort of like suppressed the illness, but didn't get rid of it. Um, but it would be used for decades until a curative treatment was uh, discovered in the, I believe, 40s or 50s. But still, okay. And this is like still this is still what years. what the 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 tens tens Yes, this is nineteen sixteen. Yes. So, um, an article published by a Hawaiian physician in JAMA in nineteen eighteen said that the hos- the Kalihi Hospital was able to release seventy eight patients after treatment with this um, purified version of chamugra oil. It directly mm-hmm. impacted the 8,000 displaced individuals living in the leprosy colony on Molokai. Patients, awesome. Patients were allowed to return home, and any new patients were allowed to stay in their own homes for treatment rather than being sent away. Um, My question is, did it have, like, a name, or was it just purified... I've already forgotten what that's called. Chalmugra oil. Um, yeah, was it just purified chalmugra oil? We're actually going to get to the name later. Okay, so it was named after some white dude. One quote I saw that really illustrated the impact this treatment had was, families no longer had to hold funerals for their loved ones before they were exiled. It meant that people were not torn from their families, and it just it greatly, greatly reduced the stigma of a leprosy diagnosis. This discovery, would, or development really, this development would change the lives of 
thousands upon thousands of people over the course of years. Um, however, before she was able to publish her results, Alice Ball fell ill from a chlorine gas inhalation in a lab accident. She, Yikes. She returned to her family in Seattle for treatment, um, where she lived for a few months until her eventual death on December 31st, 1916, at the age of 24. Wait, hang on. Mm-hmm. 24. Everything we talked about, uh, two bachelor's, mm-hmm. two, two bachelor's degrees, a master's, and, um, a world-changing pharmaceutical development. Sure, sure, yeah. So way more than anybody is expected to really do in a lifetime. Yep. In, like, four years. hmm How fast did she get her bachelor's, like, concurrently? Um, well, she got, she got the degree in pharmacy two years after the degree in pharmaceutical chemistry um but for so she was what like 14 at college she was 18 for context both times she graduated high school in 1910 and she died in 1916 so over over, it was okay the most of what we talked about was over the course of six years okay i got you i got you I was a little a little nervous about doing this episode on her because mm-hmm. she died so young. There's not as much. She didn't do as much science um, as we talked about, like in our last episode. Um, so I was worried it wouldn't be as robust of an, an episode. But yeah, so um, after her death. Um, I I can only imagine how shamed I'd feel if she, like, lived to be, like, 60. The amount that she accomplished in a lifetime. Yeah. Well, that's... Because the amount she accomplished by 24 is more than most people do ever. Exactly, so... And is more, probably, than I will ever do. I'm not gonna change the world, I'm not gonna create something that's a treatment for decades after I've developed it. I mean, I mean, maybe. I, I, well, maybe. Your field, your field has a better chance than my field. Um, but no, that's pre- that's pretty much. That's why I decided it was worth it to talk about her, even if maybe this um is a little shorter of an episode yeah, than yeah, yeah, I, gotcha. I generally intend to do. Um, because she was able to do so much at such a young age while being a a black woman. In, yeah, which is in amazing. In the 1910s, um, yeah, the the amount she was able to do was in incredible. Um, mm. Unfortunately, after her death, Arthur Dean, the president of the University of Hawaii, took over her lab and published her work under his own name. Oh, good. Sure. So. Sure. The treatment she had developed was known as the Dean Method. For like, at what at what point was it recognized, or was it not really ever recognized? At what point was it recognized as he didn't do it? Okay, so um, Doctor Harry Hallman, who is the doctor who originally 
um, enlisted Ball's help for the development of the leprosy treatment, mm-hmm. published a counter paper in 1922 detailing her key role in... Uh, okay, and, he, and, and Dean published his in... Um, what year? I don't actually know. What year did she die? 1916. I think he published it right around when she died. Okay, so it was like a six-year period. What? But I assume it was just the Dean method at that point, um, even with the counter paper, or was it actually recognized like, hey, this guy's a fucking liar? After Holman published his paper, um, it was largely ignored. Eventually, it would come to be known as the Ball Method. Uh, when discussing it today, people do refer to it as the Ball Method. The University of Hawaii did not recognize her work for nearly 90 years. It was in 2000, the university um, finally honored Ball uh, by dedicating a plaque to her, and they put it on the school's lone standing Chalmugra tree on campus. Um, On the same day, the former Mm -hmm. lieutenant governor of Hawaii declared February 29th Alice Ball Day, which is... Oh, sure. The least common day of the year. Yep. (laughs) Um, And in 2007, the University of Hawaii Board of Regents um, honored her with a Medal (laughs) of Distinction. And in, in March of 2016, Hawaii Magazine ranked ball in the list of most influential women in hawaiian history that's amazing i guess we Um, don't still use so so to be clear like so six years after she died and we think the paper was published the the counter paper was published but was, was the method you said the method was used basically up until genuine treatment yes so for like decades and decades. Mm-hmm. What was it called the Dean method the whole time? Um I believe that it might have been renamed to the Ball method after the 1922 paper, but I don't have an exact date um on okay. when the name switched, but I do know that it was referred to as the Ball method. Um, yeah, I just wasn't in, sure if that was retroactive or while it was still being used as a treatment. Um, I will say that there is a short film about Alice Ball that was uh, recently released at uh, like an online film festival called The Ball Method. So I, I tried to see if this um, short film was available online, but I could not find it. But yeah, so she has sort of started to get more of the recognition she deserved. And she mm-hmm. was a really cool person. Um, and did a lot of stuff that would have been considered by many impossible for a woman of her race at that time. First of all, she accomplished a lot in not a lot of time for anybody. Yeah. Um, and, and to be a woman and a woman of color in that time and do all of that is incredible. You know, because, because the opportunities were not 
were obviously not, you know, knocking down the doors. You had to, you had to fight for opportunities. You had to fight for everything you did. And so being able to fight for everything she did and then do it all in such a short period of time is inspiring. And you can, and you can only imagine what she would have done um, if she had lived longer. Yeah, is that, is that everything we have about Alice Ball? Yep, that's Alice Ball. <laughs> 24 um, years old, which blows my mind. Uh, <laughs> a lot of my the, friends are older than 25. Um, <laughs> the incredible Alice Ball. But the, the, the thing about it is just that, like, it's um, unbelievable the amount she did in such a short time. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Um, so, as always, we're gonna leave you with the wise words of Marie Curie. Now is the time to understand more. So that we may fear less.